You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content. And you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. It is an emergency podcast because the Packers, not one, not two, not three, but four big-time signings on Tuesday, day two of the unofficial window of free agency, the legal tampering period, and boy, what a day. For all of you that were nervous, were frustrated, anxious about the Packers not making any moves on day one, you have to be excited about what happened on day two. A lot of money, a lot of money was spent on Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner. A lot of money. And we'll get to Nick Perry. We're not going to have time to do that today. We'll get to him tomorrow. I mentioned this on Twitter. Just a quick programming note before we dive in here. So this show, we're recording right now, Tuesday afternoon. And this show is going to serve more or less as our Wednesday episode. It's just going to get out early so everyone has time to really dig in and and enjoy it and revel in it and think about it and worry about it and be nervous about it and all of the feelings that you're going to go through as a fan, I want you to be able to have them all. I want you to run the gamut here because there's a lot to digest with four signings. I'm going to put together shows over the next week where we dive into each signing individually, but we're going to go 30,000 foot view here. If there aren't more signings to talk about on Wednesday, then Thursday will be another show like yesterday, recapping the action, talking about you know Anthony Barr going back to Minnesota and, and some of the weird stuff that we've seen happen, some of the other contracts that have been handed out, and where Green Bay can potentially go from there. Let's focus today, though, the only place where we can focus, I, I will admit I was walking into jury duty. I was supposed to have jury duty today. I got out of it, but I was, I was walking through the metal detectors and got the alert on my phone, was getting tweets, was getting texts about Zadarius Smith. This was the first domino to drop for the Packers. And it is a major domino. He was actually the last one for the money to come out, but he goes four years, 66 million. That is 16.5 million per season yearly. And that sounds like a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. That's a big number. But I want to offer a word of caution on that number and all the numbers that we're going to discuss. Guaranteed money is the most important thing in these deals. And until we see how they're broken down, we can't know. I mean, if, if you just went by averages, 
you would say Green Bay is capped out. They're over the cap. But the way the salary cap works is guaranteed money, signing bonus money, can be spread out on the contract as a cap hit. So it may be the case that in year one, the Packers are spending 20 plus million. In fact, it will be the case that they spend 20 plus million on Zadarius Smith, but he will not count that much on the cap. So the initial reporting, and this is this is fluid because it's not official until it's official. 66 million, a $20 million signing bonus. And $34.5 million in the first two years. So that $20 million is guaranteed. You can spread that money out. So $34 million in the first two years means the first two years you have to pay that $20. So in terms of cash flow, you have to pay that $20. Well, as a base salary then, you only need to pay out the rest, the $14.5 million. So in year one, let's say... As Tex Western at Acme Packing Company, he took a look at all of the salaries that were that were reported and thought, okay, well, how could they make this work financially? What could the financial situation look like for the Packers? How could these contracts look? You have to count. If you were to count the, the bonus money and spread it out over the four years, that's $5 million a year. So $5 million for sure is going to be on the cap for Zadarius Smith. In all likelihood, they can they could put more next year. That would be weird. But if we just think that they're going to put five million, if they're going to spread the cap hit out evenly, five million this year, you could do a base salary of five million, and then suddenly a guy who is supposedly getting sixteen and a half million dollars a year only costs you ten million on your cap. I would expect there's going to be a lot of that in these contracts. Given the the guaranteed money that we're seeing, Preston Smith gets four years 52, which is $13 million a year, but only $16 million guaranteed. So if you, again, do the same kind of trick and you prorate it out, he could also have a very reasonable cap hit in 2019. So I, I don't think the, the money is a huge problem for the Packers. If Zadarius Smith is on this contract in year three and year four, it's because he played really, really well. It's because he's good. And and let me tell you, he is good. Now I know I said, someone called me out on this on Twitter, that I would that I that I would rather have Sheldon Richardson at 12 million than Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith. And they both got more than that. That is true. It's true. And I think the, the Zadarius Smith contract is big. Until we see the form of it, I can't I can't say that it's a bad deal. I can't say that it's a financially reckless deal or anything like that. We have to see what the situation is. We have to see how this money is laid out. Because if there is a bunch of guaranteed money later in the deal and Green Bay can't get out of this after two years, then that's a problem. It doesn't seem like that's the case, given the given the way that these guarantees are structured. And I don't want to get too bogged down in, in the minutia of the money. But given the way these guarantees are structured, I think these will end up looking better than the numbers, the big numbers initially reported to be. Let's talk about what Zadarius Smith is as a player, because that is that is really... The most important part of this. So last year, 
Pro Football Focus had this stat. His 17 combined sacks and quarterback hits on third down last year were tied for the most in the league. He was ninth in pressure rate among players with as many pass rush reps as he did. And his stat line over the season in terms of pass rush reps and pressures was very similar to what Frank Clark did. So I understand that fans are like, I don't know who this is. He's not, you know, a high draft pick. Baltimore let him go. Okay, he was really good last year. And he he started this upward trajectory the year before. He's only 26. He'll be 27. So he's in his physical prime for the duration of this contract. This is not a Jimmy Graham signing. This is not a Martellus Bennett signing where you're trying to hang on to the last few years of the end of someone's prime. This is a guy reaching his potential before our eyes. He was really good last year as a part-time starter, only started half the games for Baltimore, but was really good. As I mentioned earlier in the week, Milt Hendrickson was in the scouting department when Baltimore drafted him. He is now in the Packers front office, and you have to believe he played a role in basically telling the front office in Green Bay now, this guy is a stud. I'm telling you, this guy is a stud. That had to have been the conversation. They're paying him like he's going to be a top-tier edge rusher. When you're ninth in pressure rate among guys that rush the quarterback as often as you, that's a that's a red chip player, not a blue chip, I don't think. That is he's he's good, underrated. Pro Football Focus had him as their most underrated player in free agency. He's really good. The numbers speak for themselves, not just their grades. We're talking pressure numbers. When he was trying to get to the quarterback, he got to the quarterback really effectively last year. And one of the things that makes him so versatile and so impactful for this defense in particular, he can play on the edge. You can stand him up over the center and in those A-gap pressures that Mike Patton loves. And one of his best traits is his ability to play inside as a sub-package defensive lineman rusher. You don't need to use Kenny Clark in that role anymore. You don't need to use Mike Daniels. You can save their legs, save their bodies, and put Zadarius Smith in that role, let him rush the passer. He's really good as an interior rusher as well, and that is a place that Mike Patton loves to create havoc. Now, this Preston Smith contract, a very similar situation where you're getting a guy four years, $13 million a year, $16 million guaranteed. So if we take the same premise with Zadarius Smith, it's not that hard to get to a point where you realize, well, in year one, he doesn't have to be that expensive. He's getting $27.5 million over the first two years. Well, if 16 of that are guaranteed at signing, then over the first two years of his contract, his base salary only would have to be $5 million a year because you only have to pay the remaining 11.5 in base salary those first two seasons. If you really wanted, you could have pretty low base salaries for him in the first two years of that deal. Wouldn't be that difficult. So... These seem like big numbers, but they're not. And I know that the sack numbers are not as impressive. And that's something that that Packer fans are going to point to. But you look at Preston Smith. He's another guy. 53 pressures in 468 pass rush snaps. TJ Watt, a player that I know Packer fans love to bring up. Last season, 52 pressures in 458 pass rush reps. Their pressure rate was basically identical. 
TJ Watt just finished more for sacks. But if you're pressuring the quarterback, if you're hitting them, if you're pressuring them, you're hurrying them, you're sacking them, those are all useful ways to disrupt the quarterback. If you can move the quarterback off his spot, then you are disrupting him and you are making life more difficult. Almost every quarterback in the NFL gets worse when you move him off his spot. Guys like Rodgers and Mahomes and Wilson are are aberrations. Most quarterbacks you'll face week to week, move them off their spot. So the sack numbers really doesn't bother me that he doesn't have huge sack numbers. And one of the things with with Smith, much like the other Smith, no relation uh, that I know of anyway, um, they have upside. 26. They're young. All of the guys that the Packers signed today are young. They're in their primes. 25, 26, going to be 27. Not 31, not hanging on, and they're not totally unproven. All of them have proven skill sets in the NFL. And even if you're going to pay them like upper tier players, you are expecting, remember, a contract is what it's supposed what a player is going to be over the life of his contract, not necessarily what he's been. So if you think that Zadarius and Preston Smith can combine to be one of the best edge rushing duos in football under Mike Patton, they have more value to you than they do other teams. It's still a lot of money. It the the, the big there it was eyeball emoji when we saw that. I mean they were big numbers. I was shocked and I was shocked to see Zadarius Smith get a bigger number than Preston even though I think Zadarius is the better player. But both of these guys have upside. They can get better. And it's not like they were part-time players. Zadarius Smith was not a part-time player. He had more rush snaps last year than Bradley Chubb. A similar number of rush snaps to Frank Clark as I mentioned, more than TJ Watt, more than Olivier Vernon more than Terrell Suggs. So it's not like, I mean, he he had more pass rush reps. He, he led his team in pass rush reps. He was Baltimore's number one pass rusher, even if Terrell Suggs is the more recognizable name. Preston Smith, he was not. Ryan Kerrigan was their number one pass rusher. But Preston Smith was also really productive, even if his sack numbers aren't there. So you have two guys now, both guys who can slide inside, can play basically defensive tackle in some of these sub packages, and can rush the passer from the outside, and you've upgraded your pass rush in a significant way. We have to see the details of the contract to know for sure the value of these deals, but given the guaranteed money, the, the reported major dollar figures are probably not what these contracts are going to look like. And if they are, it means that these players played well enough under their contracts to earn the big money incentives that are basically waiting in year three and year four of this deal. And if these guys are playing on the years of their contract in year three and year four where the money probably gets much bigger then it's because they are good. It's because they played well enough to earn that spot, to earn those years. Because if they don't, in all likelihood, Green Bay is probably going to be able to get out of these deals. We can confirm that moving forward, and we can decide if you know how smart or how dumb these were once we see the details. But for right now, 
This was Brian Gutekunst saying, I understand we have this problem. I don't want to be forced into addressing it in the draft and reach. So let me pay the money now and structure these deals in a way where these guys are going to be on the team the first two seasons. They're just going to be on the team for at least two years. So the, the big dollar number, throw it away. It's for agents. It's for players to feel good. How much money is in the first two years of these deals? Because that was money they were always going to have to pay. So what does that look like? Well, with the guaranteed dollar figures, it is reasonable. And Green Bay can probably get out of these deals. And I think it's a swing worth taking for the Packers who have a history with both of these guys. The new Packers inside linebackers coach was in Washington, so he knows Preston Smith. And obviously, I mentioned Milt Hendrickson knows Zadarius Smith from when they drafted him. They have more information than other teams might, and they believe they have impact pass rushers. So we'll see. We'll see if they can play to these contracts. I just have to start the Adrian Amos discussion off by saying I love it. I love it. It's a great deal. I thought if you look at the market for safeties and the 14 million that multiple guys got and Earl Thomas is looking for 2 years 15 a year, 2 years 30. To get Amos for 4 years 37 million, 9 million per. Again, remember the rule about guaranteed money. It's not really going to look like that, or it doesn't have to. For a 26-year-old safety who last year played 97% of snaps on the best defense in football, and over the last three seasons, your, your mileage may vary on pro football focus grades, but over the last three years, he is the highest graded safety outside of Harrison Smith and Earl Thomas. He's good. Really good and versatile. I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company today. He is the perfect fit on this team, even if they don't make any other moves. Because Tremont Williams is best suited as a deep safety. Deep half, deep middle. Josh Jones is best suited as an overhang defender who can play in the box and can cover man-to-man. When he has to play deep half or he has to play deep middle, he just isn't there reading and reacting to what's going on in front of him. So he has a specific role he gets to play. Tremont Williams has a specific role he's going to play. Adrian Amos can do everything else. Put him in the box. Put him deep. Let him play in a short zone. Let him play in a middle zone, deep zone. Let him play deep half. Let him play deep middle. He can play anywhere you want to put him. This idea that he is some enforcer box safety is just not true. His ability To do all of those things is what enabled Eddie Jackson to become the star player that he is. And Amos played on 62% of snaps deep last year as a deep safety. So more often than not, he wasn't in the box. This idea that he is a box safety is just wrong. The numbers don't support it. He can do that. But he can be moved all over, which makes him the ideal Mike Pettin chess piece. This is, this is the kind of situation now for the Packers at safety where they could continue with Tremont Williams for a year. Draft someone. He can play some limited reps. And then when Tremont Williams' contract is up, you can move in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Jonathan Abram or Nasir Adderley or Taylor Rapp. And they can play opposite Amos, who can do a little bit of everything. 
that discussion we had, Tyra Matthew yesterday, the safeties last week, safeties who can play everywhere, that is Amos. And to get him at $9 million a year when other guys were getting 14 and Earl Thomas wants $15 million a year, that's 50% markup. For what? For a name? It's not worth it. This is the best player for the money contract, in my opinion. And it's not just because the Packers signed him. This was pretty similar to the deal I suggested. I said four years, $32, $8 million a year last week. So to get that extra million, given the safety market, I, I get it. This is the best player for the money signing in free agency to date. I really, truly believe that because I don't think Amos is that far behind some of these other players that are mentioned as the top safeties. I don't think he's behind Landon Collins full stop. I don't think he's behind Tyron Matthew full stop. I'd rather have Amos. So to get Amos at significantly less money is a bargain, a a relative bargain to the market. We could have a discussion about how impactful he can be and can he live up to that contract given what what else you could have gotten for $9 million. I think for this defense, given the upgrade he provides, he can be very impactful. I think he can make the back end of this defense much better. He is the opposite of HaHa Clinton Dix in that he just doesn't make mistakes. He's always where he should be. And that allows the guys around him to really take off, to really flourish in their roles. And given that you're going to have to silo roles for Tremont Williams and Josh Jones, Amos is the perfect complement to them. And again, 26 years old, not even 26, 25 turns 26 in April. So you're going to get him in the prime of his physical career for the duration of this contract. Even if he plays every snap of this contract, I think it's going to be worth the money. So this is easily the best signing for me of the day and maybe in all of free agency. From there, you know, the Billy Turner signing, a little interesting to me. I'm a little surprised. Four years, 28, that's $7 million a year. Um, and $11 million in year one. So that means guaranteed money, base salary, Uh He's not going to count on the cap that much because there's guaranteed money in there. Remember, he's going he's to count on the cap probably $5 million, $6 million, depending on how they want to structure it. That was the cost in my, in my projection of the ideal scenario. I said Quentin Spain for three years, 18. That's $6 million a year. This is a little bit more, but Billy Turner is a quality player. Again, 26 years old. This is, this is not an accident that Green Bay targeted all these guys coming off their rookie contracts in their physical prime. Now, Billy Turner played in Miami and then in Denver. About the same in Miami as he was in Denver, he's solid. He's solid. Last year, 11 starts, played guard and tackle, and that has its own value. I think he slots in right away as the right guard, starting right guard. As of this moment, he's the best right guard on the team by a lot. But he can play tackle in a pinch if Brian Bulaga gets hurt, a lot like Lane Taylor, who can play tackle in a pinch. He is the quintessential swing lineman, except he's going to have to start for you in all likelihood. Now, what does this do for for draft? And we're going to talk about that tomorrow. 
I think they're still going to take an offensive lineman early. I don't think any of the picks that were made preclude Green Bay from taking any position because you can never have too many pass rushers. They're not done upgrading the safety position, and Turner is an upgrade but not a star. You could pick a player at any one of these positions and feel okay about it, but Turner is a significant upgrade from what they had last year. Byron Bell was terrible. Justin Wilcox was terrible. And what I've been saying all offseason is that all they need to do is get a replacement-level player in here. Turner's not a star. He's not Josh Sitton or, or TJ Lang. But he's solid. And just getting a solid player solidifies everything on that offensive line because Bakhtiari, Lindsley, and Bulaga are legit dudes at their position. Lane Taylor, solid. Billy Turner, solid. Together, you're worth more. The whole is worth more than the sum of its parts. And the sum of its parts in this case, with three top guys at their respective positions, is pretty nice. But when you add that that solidification of the guard positions, and we don't know that Turner is going to be great. He doesn't have to be. He just needs to be solid. Just don't kill the team. And that's going to be a pretty big upgrade from what we saw in 2018. So they're not done, I think, revamping this offensive line. I think there are still players in the draft they're going to they're going to be interested in I think an offensive lineman at 12, especially a tackle, someone like Joan Taylor, someone like Dalton Reisner at 12 is certainly in play. Chris Lindstrom at 30 could be in play and we'll talk more about this later, but it's this is not a move to write home about. It's more money than I thought he would get. But the versatility I think is what he got the premium for. I think he's more like a four or five million dollar player as a guard but you can give him that tackle versatility legit NFL experience as a tackle you build that in and you say okay now you have to give him a little bit more but again these numbers are fake they're fake until we see the contract we don't know what it's going to cost in 2019 the way Tex laid the money out he made it work so that they had about five million in cap space left. That's before the Nick Perry cut. I've speculated on Twitter, and I'll speculate on this show, that I wonder if this spending spree has made them rethink what they're going to do with Jimmy Graham and how they're going to handle that contract. And could it affect Tremont Williams? Because they can open up, you know, double-digit millions of dollars, 11, 12, 13 million, with some cuts here. And that could make life a lot easier if they need to sign more players, if they need to sign their draft class, whatever the situation, they they still have some flexibility here with their cap because of the way these contracts are likely to be structured. You know, I was hoping that this would be a quick podcast, 15 minutes, 18 minutes, we could talk about a player or two. The, the Zadarius Smith news broke at 9 a.m. Eastern, and I'm like, okay, well, we got to wait because I'm in jury duty, but but. We have to wait because there could be other stuff. And within 15 minutes, there was Adrian Amos. And then within about an hour, there was Preston Smith. And then within about another hour, there was Billy Turner. And all of a sudden, now we've got a full show. We really have two shows to do, but I wanted to get all of this in here now. We can expand our conversations tomorrow, what this means for the team moving forward, what this means for the draft, uh, who could be cap casualties, all the things that go along with this, where we need to go from here. We can get into all of that in the coming days and weeks. Remember, tomorrow, this is basically tomorrow's show. This is Wednesday's show, unless there's more signings. 
then there's another emergency podcast, breaking news podcast. Otherwise, then, you know, we'll have a Wednesday show, Thursday show as normally scheduled and then back next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter for the latest, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe. Make sure you're getting these sent right to your phone or your smart device or wherever you keep your podcasts by subscribing. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a review on there. It really does help us. We appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your input. And we appreciate you telling other people about Locked on Packers. And anytime, I've already gotten messages If we have time on Thursday, I want to get to some of your questions and comments. But in real time, some of them are just being straight up answered because the Packers are making more signings. We're getting more information. So we'll get to those questions if we can later in the week. If you want to send me a question or a comment, you can do that on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. And always stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.